So uh, it's really, really good to see you all. It's warm, isn't it, today? Sweaty. All a bit... Anyway, um, I'll try not to be more than three hours, so we're good. You can run around later this afternoon. Um, How many of you ever listen to Desert Island Discs, showing my age? All the young people, please put your hands up. Um, uh, What I'd like you to do is just for a moment think. You know that question... You know that question that gets asked at the end on that show where she goes, um, so, one track, you can have one track, what would it be? What I'd like to do is just think for a minute, what would your one track be that you would take with you and then you're to tell the person near you, go for it. Oh, one track. Okay, did anyone mention a U2 song? What? No way, a Coldplay song. (laughs) You lot, honestly. Uh, Felicity, what did you say? Because you're very musical. of the birds that piece that we did did anyone know that that was the arrival of the birds I thought that was a cartoon by Pixar so I'm in real trouble today um so uh I uh, there's a little disclaimer at the start of um this uh talk things Jesus never said and now for a time of worship I love to sing um I I really love it when I was a kid I used to sing in choirs I won an award It's only this big, but it was an award. It's like getting your cycling proficiency certificate. Um, Basingstoke Music Festival, don't you know, sang Three Little Maids with two of my friends. You can't imagine that now, can you? Um, I also used to sing in the church choir. I sang at Winchester Cathedral. You didn't know that. Um, And all sorts of things. I used to have to wear a ribbon around, you know. Anyone here grow up in an Anglican church? Anyone sing in the choir? You missed out. Um, We used to get paid seven pence a service for singing in the choir. It was worth every penny. Um, So I love to sing. And I love coming together like we do on a Sunday here or whichever day it is. And I love, I love the singing. I love it. I love what it is. I love it when mass crowds sing as well. I think it's really exciting. Um, But there's this phrase that uh, this sermon is about... um, where we, and we often use it, and even here, people stand here and they say, and now we're going to have a time of worship. <laughs> it rolls off the tongue really easily, which suggests, doesn't it, that if there's a time for worship, that there's a time when there isn't a time for worship. Does that make sense? If we say there's a time for it, then we're also, by implication, saying there's a time when there isn't a time for it. And it's like we draw this huge, if this sticks to this floor, we draw a huge dividing line and we say that everything on this side is worship. But what happens out here isn't. This is the time for worship. 
which by implication means that there's a time when there isn't a time. Which is really interesting, because it really affects everything that we do. This thing happens where our worship, which we mostly then translate as this is worship and this is the singing bit, is that this becomes like a fix. It becomes something that we escape into. It's the thing that gets us through the week. Oh, it's okay because we're going to have that really good sing song. You may even build a church around that kind of thing. And it's escapist. We've drawn a line and we've said, some stuff is worship, but some stuff isn't. We've said music is, singing is, which makes us a bit confused about everything else. We draw a line and it literally affects the whole of everything. And the prevailing thought in our head is this, that we leave the secular and we somehow enter into the sacred. We leave out there and we step in to where God is. I don't know how much you know about addictions. Some of you may be addicts. We all are really to something. Just for some of us, it just doesn't show up as easily as others. But addictions help us to escape, don't they? It might be chocolate, it might be sport, it might be alcohol, it might be drugs, it could be anything at all. Addictions help us to escape from reality. But what addictions also do, if you've ever met anyone with an addiction, what they also, what also does is it makes you very malnourished. It makes you sick. And what can happen for us is when we have this dividing line and when we view a time of worship as the thing, it's like if you imagine a series of mountain tops and the mountaintop experience is where we encounter God and then when we're in the normal every day, the valley of everything that's normal in our lives, God isn't present. But we get our fix, but then it runs out. And then we get our fix again, and then it runs out. And as you'll know, if you know anyone with an addiction, all that happens is the addiction just gets greater and stronger. And eventually what you've done is actually you've created your whole spirituality around this. There's a secular and there's a sacred. There's, there's a time for worship and there's a time that isn't. And music and singing becomes a fix and an experience and our lens. And worse than that, we've monetarized it. You can make a load of money now if you write great songs that people sing. Remember my disclaimer at the start? I love all that. I love it. But we can lurch from fix to fix. 
But my question is this, and this is kind of what this gets at. Is there really a divide? Has this divide actually reduced how we see God? Has this divide actually done a particular thing, which is to put God into a nice neat box? But actually God is bigger. God is greater than any divide. I love uh, this line from Psalm 139, where the psalmist David writes, where can I go to get away from you? Do you see there's no line? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I go to the depths, you are there also. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Wherever I am in life, you are. Go back to the poem which tells us about the creation of the world and you read that God's spirit hovers over the whole of the earth. There's nowhere where God isn't. So we need a mindset shift, don't we? We need to step away from seeing a line and we need to think really differently about God being well outside of any line and any box. But this stuff isn't a new problem. Where's Rich? Rich, you're going to come and read. Do you want to come and do that now? I've even got your Bible ready. So I'm going to read from Isaiah 58, verses 1 to 12, page 746, if you have the Bible. Um, Shout it out loud, do not hold back. Raise your voice like a trumpet. Declare to my people their rebellion, and to the descendants of Jacob their sins. For day after day they will seek me out, they seek me out. They seem eager to know my ways, as if they were a nation that does what is right and has not forsaken the commands of its God. They ask me for just decisions and seem eager for God to come near them. Why have we fasted, they say, and you have not seen it? Why have we humbled ourselves and you have not noticed? Yet on the day of your fasting you do as you please and exploit all your workers. Your fasting ends in quarrelling and strife and in striking each other with wicked fists. You cannot fast as you do today and expect your voice to be heard on high. Is this the kind of fast I have chosen, only a day for people to humble themselves? It is only for bowing one's head like a reed and for lying in sackcloth and ashes. Is that what you call a fast, a day acceptable to the Lord? Is not this the kind of fasting I have chosen, to loose the chains of injustice and untie the cords of the yoke, to set the oppressed free and break every yoke? Is it not to share your food with the hungry? and to provide the poor wanderer with shelter. When you see the naked, to clothe them, 
and not to turn away from your own flesh and blood. Then your light will break forth like the dawn, and your healing will quickly appear. Then your righteousness will go before you, and the glory of the Lord will be your rear guard. Then you will call, and the Lord will answer. You will cry for help, and he will say, Here I am. If you do away with the yoke of oppression, with the pointing finger and malicious talk, and if you spend yourselves on behalf of the hungry and satisfy the needs of the oppressed, then your light will rise in the darkness and your night will become like the noonday. The Lord will guide you always. He will satisfy your needs in a sun-scorched land and will strengthen your frame. You will be like a well-watered garden, like a spring whose waters never fail. Your people will rebuild the ancient ruins and will raise up the age-old foundations. You will, be called the, you will be called repairer of broken walls, restorer of streets with dwellings. Thanks, Rich. Fantastic. So the prophet is speaking to the people of uh, God and uh, he's angry. <laughs> and he begins by saying, shout it aloud. And that, just that phrase itself is like, you know, that guttural scream that you can sometimes do. He's like, he's that vexed with them. He's really mad with them. Do you not see what you've done? You've drawn a line where there should never have been a line. You've made worship into a particular thing, this fasting that you do. You've made it about this performance that you have, but it was never that. Shout it aloud. It's like this gut-wrenching, it's not that. You've turned worship into a place, a moment, a thing, something that is separate. And then he declares to them, is this not the kind of fasting that God has chosen to spend yourself on behalf of the poor? So, what do we need to do? What do we need to do? We need to change our perspective. I love uh, this uh, statement. There is nothing profane to those who have learned to see. There is nothing profane for those who have learned to see. We need to remove the line. We need to remove any sense of division that there is in our lives, that somehow some things are worship and some things aren't. I don't know if you're familiar with the story of Jacob where he's had this dream and he's dreamt of heaven and there's the ladder between heaven and earth and he's encountered God and it's in a place where he didn't expect to see or experience God and he wakes up in the morning and says, God is in this place and I didn't even know it. God is in this place and I didn't even know it. So we need to change our perspective. We need to remove the sense that there is a line when we come to think about what worship is. The second thing is this. 
made this word up, made it up in the middle of the week. If you can think of a better spelling for it, then just come and tell me afterwards. Try and say what it says to, your, to the person next to you, if you can. <laughs> so it's a shh. Conscientization. It's not a real thing, but I think it should be. So maybe we could start using it. Conscientization. Um, why have I said that? Well, there's this thing that Jacob does following this encounter, this dream that he's had. He gets a stone and he places a stone at the place where he's had this experience. After the encounter, Jacob picks up a rock, he picks up a stone and he says, I didn't think God was present here. I thought God was only present over here. But actually, now I realize that God is present everywhere. And this is my reminder that God is everywhere. This stone makes me conscious of the fact that God is beyond where I always thought he was just contained. He is making himself conscious of a different kind of thinking. We need to disrupt the thinking we have which says some stuff is and some stuff isn't. We need to be disrupted in our thinking and sometimes we have to do things to disrupt that thinking of separation. That thing that Flick did earlier where she said we're just going to be still. Now some of us were like, ah, still? (laughs) It's going to kill me. But actually, as you stop... And you think, loads of thoughts come into your head, making yourself conscious. Sometimes when I walk to work, I uh, get off the train at London Bridge and I'll walk here. And deliberately I'll walk a different way. Because I'm trying to disrupt the pattern of what I normally do. Because when I disrupt the pattern, my thoughts change. I become more conscious of the day that's ahead of me. I become more conscious of who God is in the middle of the every moment. Real worship, I think, begins with us having a different understanding, which means that we shatter time and space. Which I know sounds like something from a sci-fi film, but I think real worship really starts to happen for us when we realize that we need to shatter time and space. That God is beyond any dividing line. And we need to really profoundly rethink. When you hear the word re, um, reflect or rethink, that word re just simply means to bend again, to revisit, to revisit what it is you've always done. I, uh, I grew up in the Anglican Church and I'm so grateful, so very grateful for it. And every Sunday, some of you will know this, at the end of communion, just when you thought that the whole service had been about the bread and the wine, you said these words together. Almighty God, we thank you for feeding us with the body and blood of your Son, Jesus Christ.
Through him, we offer you our souls and bodies to be a living sacrifice. Send us out in the power of your spirit to live and work to your praise and glory. Just when you thought it was all about the bread and the wine or the incredible singing, you would kneel and pray that prayer. And I remember as a 12-year-old kid going, whoa, this is to be a living sacrifice. This is what your worship is. It's about every moment, and it's about me, and it's about everybody that I meet. There's no time, it's about every time. Worship is a way of seeing the world in the light of God. Worship is a way of seeing the world in the light of God. So we need to go back to what Jesus actually said. And this is what the prophet Isaiah was really getting at. You know, people, teachers of the law came up to Jesus and asked him, what does it look like? How do you sum up everything that this is about? And Jesus very simply says this. Love God with all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. And love your neighbor as yourself. Your worship, says Jesus, is to love God with everything that you've got every ounce of who you are, your strength and your weakness, what you think and how you feel, your emotions, what you do with who you are, everything that you are. You're to love God with all of that and how? How do you do that? Love others and love yourself. That's what worship is. Love others and love yourself. Father Richard Raw says this, love God in what is right in front of you. People, creation, the relationships, the attitude, the behaviors, the practices, the choices, the decisions you make. Every moment, everything, and everyone. Paul reminds us of exactly the same in Romans 12, verse 1. Therefore I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifice, holy and pleasing to God, This is your true and proper worship. I didn't do so well yesterday, by the way. I think I 
I don't know, I must have consumed about 28 meals because we had so many events on yesterday here. And I didn't manage to go for a run, probably because I'd eaten too many meals. <laughs> and you should have seen me on Wednesday when I was hosting a fantastic conference for Oasis here. And at the start of the day, I'm driving up here and two men in white vans cut me up. I'm glad none of you were in my car. <laughs> you see, those moments matter. Those moments are my worship. And Jesus says, love God with everything that you've got in those moments too. It's not about coming in here and doing this wonderful performance just with the singing. It's actually about realizing there isn't anything like this. This isn't it. It's every moment. It's every moment we have. It's every choice we have. It's every meeting that we're in. Singing is part of our worship. I love it. I love it because singing is an art form. Singing is poetry where your heart manages to find a connecting point and you cannot hold back. I remember when my mum died, there was a particular song that I just kept replaying and replaying. Why? Because I couldn't find the words. And the words were my way of connecting with who God is. There is nothing wrong in singing. In fact, when we sing, and it's great that Mark's leading today because we get that <coughs> singing. But when we sing, we should do it with all our heart, our soul, our strength, and our mind. We should sing like the Welsh fans at the Euros. Did anyone see the pictures? <laughs> tears streaming, arms raised. I know it was like a miracle for you guys, Nathan, but it would be for us as well. So, I remember being in a township in South Africa where Oasis works and hearing just a bunch of Christians sing and being blown apart. Why? Because the song was coming from this place of, oh God. And I remember being at a U2 gig last year and you two singing how long? Psalm, one, Psalm 40. And however many thousands of people are there. And it was a moment. Because they're songs of lament and they're real and they're about who we are. And when we sing, we sing it with everything that we've got. So let's not dismiss singing. But I think there's another challenge. And on this, when I've done this bit, don't worry, I'm finished. I think, and I know this because it's me, but I think it's some of us. Us who kind of are like a bit more cool than evangelical, traditional, although I still count myself as that. We're kind of the hipster Christians. <laughs> some of you are more hipster than me, clearly. I think we can be highly critical of people who sing. I think we can be highly critical of churches that do loads of singing. And we can and I can judge them. 
I can judge them for their dodgy theology. I can judge them for the fact that they've compartmentalized worship into this one format. I can judge them because it feels like it's been turned into this heavyweight industry and it doesn't sit comfortably with me. And I've got all the cool theology to go with that. I judge them for some kind of dualistic thinking. But here's what I know. That I too have dualistic thinking. Because every day I have to be really conscious of the fact that I draw a line. And I say some of my life is full of worship and admiration for you, God. But there are bits that aren't. Some of me is, and I want all of me to be that, but I'm being honest with you, some of me isn't. So the thing that I can judge others for is the thing that I need to own for myself. We can talk a good game about loving others, where I can have the smartest theology and I can wear it like smart stripes, which get me speaking at certain events. But what about how I am on a Friday night? But what about how I am on Saturday when I don't have my audience? What about what any of us watch or look at or how angry we are or how jealous we are or our interior lives, which are a bit of a mess? Or what about how we feel about some people? Or what about how selfish I might be or how greedy some of us are or any of our addictions? All that's happened is we've just drawn the line in a different place. We've said God's here, but I'm not letting him here. There is no line. There's no line. We're called to learn to love God in everyone, everything, and every moment. We're called to love God and love others and love yourselves. And um, there's this guy in the States called Gregory Boyle who says this, Love doesn't melt who you are. It melts who you are not. As you love others, and as you love God, and as you love yourself, it serves to get rid of all the things that aren't what you'd want them to be. So we are worship. We are to be a living sacrifice. To love and not to hate. In a world that needs it more than ever. Every moment and everyone. Let's pray. God, thank you that you are the God of everything. Nothing is hidden from you. The whole of life is yours. Creation is yours. There's nowhere where you aren't. God, you call us to be a people that learn how to love what is right in front of us. That is our worship. And that is costly, and it can be pushing us to love people that we struggle with. It can be causing us to behave in a different way to the way we normally do. But God, your call on our lives, 
your call to us and what our worship is to be is to love. So, Father, would you help us to rip up the line, to know that there is no set time. Every moment, everywhere, everyone. Help us, God, we pray. In Jesus' name. Amen.